This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. All right. So on this Sunday morning, turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 11. And so we're going to continue on a teaching focus that our pastor had already laid out around the messages about are you prepared? And in particular for my piece of this, I'm going to focus on the part about being prepared for the challenge. Are you prepared for the challenge? And so in Hebrews chapter 11, let me get there, Hebrews 11. Starting in verse number 7. It says, By faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. And so in this teaching that our pastor went over around, Are You Prepared? And again, looking at this verse in verse 7, it talks about Noah was prepared. And he was moved with fear or reverence to get prepared. That is a warning for all of us. Because again, we've been hearing this over and over again. Something else is coming. So you better be moved to get yourself prepared for what is coming. And that is God's warning to each and every one of us. Individually as well as collectively as a ministry. We have to prepare ourselves for what's coming. And Noah did that. And so in the, in the teachings around are you prepared, there was questions that were asked about are you prepared. One question was, am I awake? Another question was, is your heart ready? Another question was, are you prepared to make the commitment? Another question was, are you prepared to obey? Another question was, are you prepared to set things in order? Next question was, are you prepared for the challenge? And then lastly, the question was, am I prepared to establish the will of God? Right, to finish what God has called me to do. I mean, again, these things were all taught over a period of months to get us in the state that we are now. And from my objective here for this teaching is we're going to look at David. I, I really do enjoy uh, the study of David, seeing his life. Because, you know, you get a glimpse of David's life. You know, and I, I like when the Bible lets you, you know, uh, see a glimpse of someone's life. I thank God it's not mine, so I appreciate David. But, you know, we got David as an example we can look at, you know, from the time when he was anointed king till he showed up on the scene to the time of his departure. You get an idea of, of the journey of life has for us all. Um, so we're going to examine David. And the whole po- point of this is for a self-examination to see if you are prepared for the challenge. Are you prepared for the challenge? All right. And again, I'm going to use this based off of, of teaching that I've done a while back about is there not a cause? When in, in, in that teaching of is there not a cause, again, I use David again as an example to see if you're ready. All right. So in this teaching, again, we're going to use the example is there not a cause. So I'm going to start there and do a quick <clears throat> review of some things that were mentioned in that teaching. One thing was around the word cause itself. What does the word cause mean? A cause is a reason for an action. Right? You have to have a reason for the action. That's called a cause. 
If you don't see a reason for action, you will never will react. That's the cause. And this cause, or the cause, is found, the reason for your action is found when you follow God's original instruction. So that means in God's original instruction is obedience. It's the reason for the cause is in God's original instruction. God expects for you to obey. In obedience, God expects for you to respond. And God expects for you to respond immediately after he gives you instructions. And that's what I love about God. When God, God is not telling you something as a suggestion or, or in, you know, insinuating something. No, God's telling you directly what you need to do at that time. You need to go do it. So it's not only the obedience, but it's how quickly you respond. Right? And then David, he saw a cause. And the reason why David saw a cause, and I think people miss this, David saw a cause because he was following the original instructions given to him by his father. His father sent David out there to bring nourishments to his brothers where they were in battle. And when David was following the instructions of his father, he ran right into the cause. And so David is a great example of obeying his father's instructions, and he ran into the cause. And then not only did David run into the cause, in other words, he was able to respond to it. All right, so let's pick this up in 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 16. And we're going to spend a lot of time in 1 Samuel. Hopefully you have your Bibles again this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 16. Start here. All right, 1 Samuel chapter 16. And I'm just going to start... <clears throat> at verse 11. I'm sorry, start at verse 1. 16 and 1. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil. Go, I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. So you see here, this is the time of the transition. King Saul was rejected because King Saul only, only can go so far. He only still goes so far. What I mean by that is he allowed himself to, how to say this, not finish the process that God has started in him. You know, it's very amazing when I hear the, you know, when I read these statements, when I read these things in the passage of Scripture, how it says, seeing that I have rejected uh, him from uh, reigning over Israel. Saul made that choice. Wasn't God? You know, everybody wants to put these, all these things on God, like, God, you chose this, God, you did that. No, you make choices. You know, that's what I love about God. God puts it out there, right? God gives you the commandments. It's up to you to obey. But understand that if you don't obey, God, God is not like, his plan is not going to stop. And what I always say, you know, one monkey don't stop the show, right? So in other words, if you're not going to do it, God already has a remnant that's going to obey him. And so since Saul decided he wasn't going to continue with God, God, like, I have somebody who will. That's why, that's why God said, I got a king. I prepared a king among his sons. And he told Samuel to go and prepare himself and, and told him, stop mourning for Saul. You know, when we mourn for people, mourn for people, meaning that, you know, we have a heart for those that we want them just to get it. But here's the thing about God. This is a time when you need to move on. You know, I think about, one thing I think about in this pandemic, right, you know, it's this thing that's, that's happened and it happened around March of 2020 and here we are in May of 2021. You know, things have changed, but guess what hasn't changed? Time. What I mean by hasn't changed? Time did not stop. Time has moved on. 
It's amazing. I think about this. You know, we say, well, it seems like things just have stopped. No, time has moved on. Right? And that means there's a place you need to be at, even during a pandemic. You know, was God's program still went on. God's plan wasn't hindered. God's plan went on. And we've got we to be mindful and sensitive to those things. Stay in the purpose of God. Right? I mean, of course, the pandemic impacted all of us. Again, that's why we have certain services we have now. We have a few people here in the sanctuary. Right? That's why you're watching this during a live stream. But God's plan still goes on. Don't, hey, don't miss that. So that means if God's plan goes on, that means you should be preparing for what God has for you to do. Don't use the pandemic as an excuse for you not preparing. God expects for us to continue to go forward. All right, so again, we see here that this is a time when Samuel was sent to Jesse, the Bethlehemite's house, for one of his sons would be king. All right, so then I'll pick up on verse, I'll just read verse 7, because I just like verse, I'll read verse 6. Verse 6, the same chapters, First Samuel 16, verse 6 says, And it came to pass when they were come, that he looked on Eliab, and he said, Surely the Lord's anointing is before him. And again, this is time when now all of a sudden Samuel the prophet was there, and all of a sudden he talked to Jesse, and here comes his sons, and he brought them before the prophet, and now he's like, which one is it? Because here's the thing about God. When God told Samuel to go to Jesse's house, because one of his sons is the one that he has provided as king, he didn't tell him which one it was. I, again, I found these things amazing. God did not say go and find David, Jesse's son. He said go to Jesse's house. This protocol and everything that God's do. So it was, it was up to the prophet to go and go talk to the father of the house and say, bring your sons here, and then the Lord's going to show him, show him, Samuel, who it is. There's order in this. In other words, in other words Samuel just didn't show up and say, Where, where's David at? No, that, Samuel showed up when talked to the father, Jesse, go get your sons, and then he waited on God to show him which one it was. You know why that's so important? Because they can't say that, well, Samuel chose who he wanted to choose, or, or Jesse chose who he wanted to choose. No, God said, I provided me a, a, a son out of that. Why? Why? How does God provide? How does God know who to choose? How does God know? Verse 7. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Look unto his countenance. I'm sorry, look not unto his countenance, or unto the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord, he looketh on the heart. Understand this, God is always looking at your heart. Your outward appearance is just that. That outward, that outward dressing, it's, that's just you. Right? You can dress up the outward all you want to, but God, He sees the heart. And that's what He's looking at. He sees the heart. That means He saw Eliab's heart. He saw the son's heart. He saw Jesse's heart. He saw David's heart. He already knew. He saw his heart. Now, why is that so important that God sees your heart, knows your heart? That means God knows you. That means you can fool everybody else in your house. You can fool everybody but God. You're not going to fool God. God knows. He sees your heart. And you know, your heart, hey, 
you may say you're going to do something, but your heart is where, you, what you, where you're really at. You know, your heart really shows you, you know, what, what you're motivated for, what you're really heading toward. It's your heart. And again, we're talking about are you prepared for the challenge? Your heart will show you what you're prepared for. Your heart. So God's looking at the heart. Now, jump down to verse 11. It says, And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest. So they had already paraded all the other sons, and, and, and God like, not them. And then the prophet's like, I know you got somebody else in there. And he said, behold, he keep the youngest. The youngest now. <laughs> behold, he keep the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. Well, and, and, and this is so important to think about, right? The youngest. Everyone has value. We learn these things in this ministry. Understand this, you know, you youth, you young adults, you have value. Right? Stop waiting, thinking you need to get older to, to provide value. You have value right where you are now. You have value. And your value in this ministry is needed now. What I mean by that? That means you have prepared your heart so you can be used right now. See, David was the youngest, but David was prepared. And we see, that. I love, David was the youngest, but David was still prepared. You know, here's the thing about that. David wasn't looking for an opportunity. He was prepared for the opportunity when it showed up. See, a lot of, you know, you see a lot of young people, they're like, well, just give me an opportunity, I'll show you what I can do. No, prepare yourself for the opportunity. So when the opportunity arises, you can just go ahead and flow in it. Stop waiting for something, to, somebody to give you something so you can show your value. You have value right where you are now. Prepare yourself like you have value. Preparation. Preparation is always the key. You have to prepare yourself now. And you see that here in this, in this static, is so, this, this static is so amazing. You have, you have the prophet that shows up at this man's house. You have all his sons, except for the youngest, that are there, I guess, in whatever capacity. They're all there with the prophet. But, Je- but David is still out there in, on, on purpose doing his work. He wasn't even part of the, this ceremony or this ordeal. He still was out there doing his work. He said, but the, behold, the youngest, he keeping the sheep. They were still keeping the sheep. You know, she wasn't like mad, like, oh, the prophet showed up. Oh, why didn't call me here? I'm the youngest. They just disrespect. He wasn't like that at all. They were like, hey, my, my father told me to keep this sheep. I'm keeping the sheep. Until he calls me or tells me to do something different, I'm going to stay right there. David knew how to stay on the sun. He wasn't distracted. That's part of the preparation. Stay on your assignment. All right, so they had to fetch David, and then verse 12, and he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy, and with all of a beautiful countenance, and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, now the Lord spoke, arise, anoint him, for this is he. So here it is now, David, the youngest of all his, his brethren, was anointed to be king. In front of them. Not only in front of his brothers, but also in front of his father. No one expected it was going to be him. His dad didn't think it was going to be him because he thought he would have brought him up first. Samuel didn't know it was going to be him if he thought he would have said, go get me David. But God knew. He said, oh, this is the one. 
see, understand it, right? Your, your age is, how to say this, right? Your, your age is not important to you. You know what I mean by that? You know, age can be, you know, people look at, well, I'm this age, so they put, you know, they, they have excuses around not doing things because of their age. But God's like, I'm looking at your heart. Catch that young people. Your heart. If your heart is prepared, God's like, you're ready. You're prepared to be used. All right, so now let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 17. Let's get into this. 1 Samuel chapter 17. <laughs> Starting at verse number... We're going to go here. Verse number 12. 1 Samuel 17 and 12. It says, <clears throat> Now David was the son of the Ephronite of Bethlehem and Judah, whose name was Jesse. And he had eight sons. And the man went among men for an old man in the days of Saul. And the three eldest sons of Jesse went and followed Saul to the battle. And the names of, the three, of his three sons that went to battle were Eliab, the firstborn. And the next son to him was Abinadab. Abinadab, and the third, Shammah. And David was the youngest. I mean, how many times are they going to say this about David? It's amazing how the Bible emphasized David was the youngest. And David was the youngest. Oh, and the youngest son, David. I mean, something he's trying to show you about this, this, about this age that we get caught up with. God's like, it had nothing to do with it. But he was the youngest, but he was prepared. And David was the youngest, and the three eldest followed Saul. But David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself 40 days. So again, David being the youngest of his three brothers, his three brothers followed Saul into battle. So that means the eldest sons, they were in battle. But understand this, they may have been in battle, but they weren't prepared for the challenge. See, ask yourself this question. Are you ready to follow? Then ask yourself this question. Are you prepared for the challenge? There's a difference between being ready to follow and being prepared for the challenge that lies ahead. What's the difference? Being ready to follow means that you have agreed and recognized that there is a cause. Again, being ready to follow. I'm ready to follow. That means, okay, I, I can recognize and I, I can agree that yeah, there's a cause. You know, yeah, that, that's, that's a good reason. That's a good rationale. You can agree to that. But being prepared for the challenge means that you are committed to the cause. Preparation and commitment goes hand in hand. In order to be committed, you've got to be prepared. So now I can say, people say it all the time, I'm ready to follow you. But hey, that doesn't mean they're prepared for the challenge. Because prepared for the challenge means I'm committed to the cause. And remember that the, when we talk about challenge, remember what we've been taught from our pastor teaching about challenge. Challenge is staying focused when facing distractions. So here comes the distractions. Right? The, the, the distractions are not the challenge. The challenge is you staying focused in the distractions. Right? So remember that. So that means can you stay focused when the distractions come? 
So that's how you meet the challenge, is by staying focused with the original instructions. You have to stay focused to being committed to the cause. That's the difference between those that are ready to follow and those that are prepared for the challenge. You've got to stay focused. And again, that's why David was the youngest of his brothers, but he was prepared for the challenge. David knew how to stay focused. Again, we, we saw that. Here the prophet showed up at his father's house. He stayed focused on, on, his, on what he had to do. His dad told him to take care of the sheep. He did. His, his, oldest, son, um, his oldest brother went out to battle. But, but hey, he still stayed focused on what, what his father told him to do. David stayed focused. And, and being focused and being prepared for the challenge, you have to be willing to forsake all that you have. What I mean by that is you've got to be, you be able to count the cost. Preparing for the challenge, you have to count the cost. It's going to cost you something. When you prepare yourself for the challenge, it's going to cost you something dear. And that's the only way you're going to be able to finish your course. When you have counted the cost. When you have committed to the cost. Look at this in Luke chapter 14. We'll come back to 1 Samuel 17. So keep your ribbon there. But Luke chapter 14. You've got to count the cost in order to finish. Luke chapter 14. <clears throat> Luke chapter 14, verses 28. Luke 14 and 28 reads, For which of you, intending to build a tower, Sitteth not down first and count the cost, where, whether he have sufficient to finish it. Again, see that. For which of you intending, you have, you have a purpose. You know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to build a tower. Before you start any kind of building, you have to count the cost. I like this. He said you have to sit down first. Preparation happens. You know, we have a task to do. And everybody wants us to jump out there and do the task. No, let's... Sit down, prepare ourselves, let's count the cost, whether we are sufficient to finish it. See, this, this is the thing. Every work, every cause that God has given us, He expects for us to finish. Again, remember these things we were taught by, by Minister Martin about finishing your court. Remember things we were taught in His teaching about establishing the will of God. You expect it to finish. God expects us to finish. We we're talking about a rise in the building, being wall builders. He's expecting us to finish the work that God has, God has called us to do. God is expecting us to finish it. But you have to count the cost. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest happily, after he have laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it began to mock him, saying, this man began to build, was not able to finish. See, again, we are wall builders. We're not only beginning to build, we're going to finish and complete the work that God has called us to do. And it's going to take all hands on deck, young and old. Again, age is not a, a criteria for you to be prepared for the challenge. Your commitment to God is the criteria for you to be prepared for the challenge. Who are you committed to? You've got to be committed to God and to, the, and to the cause, to the work that He has called us to do. 
But again, always understand this. Being prepared for the challenge, again, it will cost you something dear to you. It's going to cost you something. If it's not costing you nothing, then you're not prepared. It's going to cost you. We understand what cost means, right? It's going to cost you something. So you've got to count the cost. All right, so being prepared, for the, uh, being prepared for the challenge will expose three things. Three things will expose when we say we're prepared for the challenge. It's going to expose your commitment to God. It's going to expose your level of sacrifice. And it's going to expose your position with God. Again, being prepared for the challenge it's going to expose three things. Again, expose three things about you. It's going to expose your commitment to God. It's going to expose your level of sacrifice. And it's going to expose your position with God. So let's deal with the first one. Being prepared for the challenge will expose your commitment to God. Let's go back to 1 Samuel. Chapter 17. Again, looking at this young teenager named David. 1 Samuel chapter 17. <laughs> Being prepared for the challenge will expose your commitment to God. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Starting in verse number 17 again. We'll pick up right there. It says, And Jesse said unto David his son, Take now for thy brethren, an ephah of this <clears throat> parched corn, and these ten loaves, and run to the camp to thy brethren, and carry those um, carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousand, and look how thy brethren fare, and take their pledge. That means bring back news of how, how your brethren are doing. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah, fighting with the Philistines. And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to fight and shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array. Army against army. So again, being prepared for the challenge means it, it means it's going to expose your commitment to God. And we see here that David's going to be committed to God. Now his brothers they followed Saul into battle, but David was falling after God. Now before we move on to this passage of scripture, remember we talked about commitment, right? You know, remember about commitment. All commitment is to God. Never forget that. When you commit yourself to something, your commitment is to God. That means when you break your commitment, you just broke your commitment to God. All commitment is to God. And that means that my commitment to God is not based on others being committed. You know, I love that about David, right? David is going to get to a place where... He's going to see the cause and respond to it. But others that are there with him don't see the cause and respond the same way. But his commitment to God is his commitment to God. It's not based on how others respond. 
Why is that? Because, you know, other people can change their commitment. But my commitment shouldn't change because of others' commitments. That means in your commitment to God, you have to be prepared and willing to stand alone in this challenge. I'll say that again. In your commitment to God, you have to be prepared and willing to stand alone in the challenge. Because there may not be anyone else that will stand with you. But you still have to stand. You still have to stay committed. And I know for many people, they're looking for other people to stand with me. So, okay, I'll go do this that you asked me to do. But, hey, anybody can go with me? Then that shows that you're not committed to God. See, my commitment to God, I don't need others to stand with me. I don't need others to go with me. I don't need others to be with me to finish what God has called me to do. Right? I'm going to do my part. Stay in my lane. If I have to do it alone, then guess what? I have to do it alone. But my commitment is to God. So when we make a commitment, that means that we talk about commitment means to pledge. These are things that we learn. Commitment means to pledge. And the pledge is to give my word for a security as to my actions. I mean, what do they say? Your word is your bond. That's your commitment, right? A pledge that I'm going to give my word for a security as to my actions. That's my intentions. See, I'm going to tell you, be careful what you say. All these idle talk, you know, we're talking about the, you know, the, the ministry here is now going to have an in-person service. We're going to open up at a certain date. You know, people have been waiting on this time. Hey, make sure you show up. Your, you know, your word should be the security of your actions. And not just show up, be ready to respond. Because, you know, I mean, I shouldn't even say this, right? But, you know, some people just show up and see who else is going to show up. Or some people show up and see who's not going to show up. Well, you know, that's not us, though. You know, we ain't showing up for the purpose of God. We show them to be nosy. What has changed? Have they remodeled in the, in the sanctuary? Have they done something different? Just to be nosy. I'm sorry, I'm not talking about our church members. Stay, stay focused. Commitment means to imprison. That's what I mean from a commitment. To give my rights, my choices, my freedom willingly. To give up my freedom willingly. I mean, again, that, that's what I'm saying commitment. I'm just going uh, reviewing what commitment is, right? These things have been taught before. Because we throw around this word commitment like it's just, you know, just some saying. Some cliche. It means something when you say you committed. Commitment means to do what is required as long as it is required. I'll say that again. Commitment means to do what is required as long as it is required. As, as it is required. Being committed does not pass responsibility to others. Being committed does not pass responsibility to others. Or waiting for others to do something that you can do. If you commit it, do it. Why are you passing responsibility to somebody else? You're delegating. No, you committed. You commit yourself to it. Commitment is not delegation. You do it. Well, if somebody else go with me, I would do it. No, you're not committed. You're playing. Because how many is it going to take? What's the number? What's the magic number? You need five people. You need four people. You need ten people. In order for you to do something? No. 
And here's a, here's a big one, right? Being committed breeds a level of maturity. I'll say that again. Being committed breeds, fosters, incorporates a level of maturity. And maturity is when you have put away childish things. Maturity is when you have put away childish attitudes that are self-focused, self-centered. Again, this is maturity. You put these things away. You have put away childish thoughts that lead to even more selfishness. Maturity means you have put away childish speaking that focuses on your opinion, your issues, your whining, your complaining, your insecurities. That's what mature, mature people, they put these things away. You put away your childish thinking. And you know how a child thinks, right? A child thinks all about them. It is all about me. You know, if I can't get my way, then I'm going to have a fit. I'm going to fall out. That's not mature. Right? But being committed? Being committed, you realize it's not about me. Being committed is about the cause. It's about the work. It's doing what is required as long as it is required. I got to put away put away these childish attitudes, childish thoughts. And the Bible talks about Paul said when I became a man, right? I put away childish things. But he said when I was a child, I fought as a child. I mean, I like I fought as a child. You know, again, I think some people age doesn't mean that you put away childish things because some of us old folks still think as a child. It is all about you. Matter of fact, again, we think about when the church opens back up. You think about what's the church going to do for me? Again, you, I would say you come in with a whole different attitude. Right? Are they going to still have certain things, activities? You know, are we going to have family life class and then Sunday morning class? Are we going to still have the breakfast or, you know, a little snacks in between? Because, you know, I'd be hungry sometimes. Because I got used to eating now. I'm at home. I'm saying, it's all about you. That's your thinking. That's what, you, that's what you're questioning. Not anything about the Word of God. You think about how it's going to bless you. And what about parking? Is, I mean, there's going to be a lot of cars there. They're going to help me. I don't want to park way out there. I mean, it's too far to walk. I mean, I'm, I'm used to being in my I'm used to come from my home. I can just walk. I'm going to say, it's all about you still a child. Right? And, and God forbid if it's raining that day. I ain't getting out of this. It's raining. Got you. Maturity. Committed. You didn't put away childish things yet. See, commitment breeds a level of maturity. You got to put away your own insecurities. Stop your whining. Stop your complaining. So maturity is seen in your obedience and your response to those that are in delegated authority over you. Again, we're talking about those people that are committed. Now we're dealing with the level of maturity. Your maturity is seen in your obedience and in your response to those who are in delegated authority over you. I keep saying it's one thing to obey. It's another thing to uh, obey with the right attitude. Because some of y'all can obey with some stinky, nasty attitude. Like, I don't even do it. That's okay. Don't worry about it. You know, we you know we spend a lot of time talking about, you know, husband and wife and marriages. You know, that's classic right there. When it comes to attitude, right? 
you know, your wife or your, or your husband, <laughs> husband comes home or whatever, or the husband's there and he says, okay, you know, honey, I would like to have some, here I go, this is for me, I'd like to have some fried chicken. I'd like to have some hot fried chicken. Right out the grease. Right? And then here goes your wife, right? She'll go over there and cook you some hot, I mean, some fried chicken, but all that attitude, you know, all the mumbling and grumbling, the whining, complaining, and you know, then all of a sudden, now all of a sudden, they're like, well, you know, you, you shouldn't be eating all that fried food. I'm like, you know, all that stuff comes out. Like that, it is like, you know, some, that's okay. It don't even taste the same. Like, I, I didn't need all that. All that attitude changes the taste. I didn't need, I didn't need, I just wanted some, some hot chicken. Well, you know, you can run on down to Tumble 22, get you some hot chicken. I'm like, but I want you to cook it, baby. Nothing like the chicken come out of the grease at the house. Well, the house going to smell like chicken. Yeah, you know, it's nothing wrong with the house smelling like chicken. That's what they got windows for. I can open the windows up. I'm telling you, is it all, see, I'm just giving you an example. All this comes out, all about this, all that talk, we could have fried a chicken and had some more chicken to go along with. You know, we could have been done by now. So that's what I mean. It's nothing like obeying, but there's, it's a whole other thing in your response, you know, your attitude with the obedience. That goes a long way. Because what happens, you know, once you now, you, once you respond to a certain way, now you, now you built a pattern, right? In other words, the next time I go talk to my wife about fried chicken, here it comes, I'm ready for it. I'm, you know, I already know what she's going to say. You know, I'm reluctant. You know what I'm saying? It builds in a whole different filter, right? Like, oh, don't ask her about that. Again, I'm using it for example. I, I'm just saying, my wife, hey, she don't, hey, I'm even for the record, she loves frying the chicken. She, it's fine. You know, her and the other sister, they fried up a whole lot of chicken for me and another brother in this ministry on Father's Day. They, they hooked it up. You know, what is it, 20, 30, 40 pounds of chicken they did, right? You know, every year goes up how much chicken they fried. Right? But, but I'm just saying, the, the whole thing is it, it builds a rapport. You know, when you start talking to people and they have to obey, and, you know, they obey, and then all of a sudden you hear the attitudes coming. That's a little maturity. See, when you can obey without saying nothing, when you put a smile on your face and go fry up that chicken, I'm telling you, it's, just, it's a whole different level. I'm telling you, that makes the chicken the other side make it taste even better. Because you're doing it with the right attitude. See, that's commitment. And you know why I'm saying these things? Again, we, I'm using them for example, but we'll see this. David never complained. In all these discussions, I, I, I mean, all these reading I see about David with his father, I never once hear David complain about what his father told him to do. He never said, well, I'm the one keeping the cheat. Why am I doing that? Dad, you got, you know, I'm the, I'm the youngest of eight. Son, you got, you got some, I mean, my brothers can't help. Why can't they help me, Dad? He never complained. He did what his dad asked him to do. And it seems like sometimes he was by himself keeping the sheep. Like, hey, don't, my brothers, they're too busy. They can't come help me. Because you know, I'm telling you, it's nothing like family. It's nothing like siblings. I'm telling you, hey, hey, that's a whole other dimension. Everybody always thinks, you know, I heard ministering some of the grass is always green on the other side. Everybody always thinks the other family member, you know, the other siblings is getting better than, you know, with the, with the, the favorites, right? They always think the other, the other child is a favorite. Everybody thinks that. Oh, that's mama's favorite. That's why he don't have to go out there and do it. That's daddy's favorite. That's why he don't have to do that. It's not about favoritism. You know, I, that's why I remember growing up, and, you know, these topics, we move on. 
But I just remember growing up and, again, being at home with my father and, and the things that he had us doing, you know, especially when it came to clean up the kitchen. You know, I, again, I still have issues. You know, we talking about, we got issues. I got issues. When someone washing dishes, I mean, me and my brothers, you know, we had a, my dad had a routine. You know, a routine, he had a schedule. You know, you had to, certain, everybody had a certain time when they washed this. In other words, you had your day Monday and then whatever. And I'm talking, I'm talking clean the kitchen. Let me be clear. There wasn't no washing dishes. You had to clean the kitchen. Clean the kitchen, including washing the dishes, putting them up, sweeping the floor, wiping down the stove. And every, everything in the kitchen had to be clean. Right? And so he had, you know, he had a pair, you know, me and my brothers. We paired up. Two of y'all. That was your responsibility. He didn't care if you, he, and my dad was like, he didn't care if you had football practice. You had choir or you had whatever. His kitchen was going to be clean. You can be sick. It doesn't matter. You better go in there and clean it up. Take you some medicine. His kitchen was going to be clean. Because guess what? They cooked. You clean. You ate. You clean it. Right? And so, you know, I remember my brothers and, I, and my, my oldest brother. And it just bothered me to... He could not wash dishes. He just couldn't. You know, he thought he was like the dishwasher. He just rinsing them. I'm like, bro, you got to put some soap on that, man. And you got to get in there deep. And so then after the kitchen was clean, my daddy would inspect it, right? And so that brother would put stuff and, and he, you know, we had certain food and still leftover residue on, on glasses. And then my dad would come in there and guess what? My dad just, just didn't, he didn't get in, my brother didn't get in trouble. Guess what? I got in trouble with him. And my dad didn't want to hear about, you know, my brother did that. And he put you together. So guess what started happening? I had to go back and wash dishes. I had to rewash what he rinsed. And I'd be so irritated with him. You know, but I'm not thinking about my dad. Why you got, you know. And I'm like, you know. You, you know your son. You know how he is. You're not. Th-. But he still had, had me doing it. And, and again, it's what's. What's amazing me, again, I'm talking about favorite, you know, this is the thing that gets me, right? Is my dad was teaching me something. Right? He was teaching me how to be responsible. See, I thank God for that teaching these days. Instead of, you know, he said, well, well he should touch your brother to be responsible. He had his way of teaching him to be responsible, too. Because the other things, you know, I was able to get away with. I was able to slack. My brother had to handle it. It was on him. You know, it was he had to, my brother had to make sure I did certain things that I was slacking on. See, my dad had a way of teaching us responsibility. So my point is saying that don't miss the teaching. And you are in the siblings, you have brothers and sisters, and you wonder how come certain your mind, certain siblings are getting away with certain things. They're not. It's a way of them being taught. You know, he know how to press their buttons. Your, your, your parents know how to press your buttons for a teaching moment, to teach you things. Because on the outside, you think that the other person is, is their favorite. No, you know, they, they have the right tool for the right job. They know how to push your buttons. They know how to push your, your brother's button. They know how to push your sister's buttons. They get them to a place of maturity. Now, that's why even today, I tell my brother, hey, you know, hey, when it comes to dishes, I don't even want to eat none of this. Hey, bro, I do take it. Let's go somewhere to eat, man. I, I, I remember how we ate. That's okay. We'll go get some meat. I'll pay for it. Don't worry about it. Don't give me no glass of water. I got issues. You know, again, and he has issues with certain things with me. Like, that's okay. Hey, hey, Jody, that, that, you do this. I'll take care of it. Because Dad taught us some things in our home. 
See, learn how to respond. Learn how to respond to obedience. Because that's going to build a level of maturity. All right, so again, <laughs> maturity is seen in your obedience and your response to those who are delegated authority over you. Maturity is seen in your response to the cause without being asked to do something. It's, it's nothing like you doing something when you're not even being asked to do something. Again, I use the example again about my, my yeah, like I said, washing, uh, cleaning the kitchen. Trust me, if, if I wasn't on the schedule, I wouldn't clean it. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like it. But then it gets to a place where you get mature. You're like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll knock out this. I'll clean the kitchen without even being asked. You learn. That's a sense of maturity. When, don't, when you see an issue and you go ahead and address it without somebody having to ask you. And then once you do it, you ain't got to go back and tell them, oh, I just did that. See, that's, that's my maturity because now you're looking for something else. You know, you just, you know, tune your own horn about how great you are. No, 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 just do it. That shows maturity. And why I'm saying all that, because you, you see this in this young boy's life, this teenager's life with David. Remember, David was sent out to bring nourishment to his brother. David was not sent out there to, to, to deal with Goliath. But David's going to see a cause and deal with it. Without even being asked. That's mature. So, going back to David. Even though David was the youngest amongst his brethren, he had a level of maturity. With his walk with God. Don't miss that. With his walk with his father. With his walk with others. And what I mean is just because you are young doesn't mean that you are not mature. And just because you are old doesn't mean that you are mature. Again, you young adults, you, you have value. You prepare your heart. Get yourself committed to God. That's important. Shows your level of maturity. Don't let your age be a crux to you for not being used by God or moved by God in this time. We need you right now. All right, so now let's get back to 1 Samuel. There's enough talking about me. It's good to talk about David, right? You don't want to talk about yourself. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Again, we left off at <clears throat> verse 22. Let's read it. Start at verse 23 now. So again, David left his carriage with his hand of the keeper. And verse 23 says, And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. So now here David is in, you know, bird's eye view and hearing view of, of the Philistines' uh, champion called Goliath. And Goliath is talking noise. And David heard it. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were so afraid. Now, all the men, now I like that, all the men fled. Get the, and they were afraid. You can catch this. Now, David's a teenager, he's a boy. But the men fled and was afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man that come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king, will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter 
and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and take away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, uh, Eliab, excuse me, his eldest brother, here we go, this family, siblings, heard when he, when he spake unto the men. And Eliab, anger was kindled against David and said, Why camest thou down hither? And what and with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and thy naughtiness of thine heart. For thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? So you can see the maturity level here with David in his response to his brother. Now again, he talked to all the other men in this battle, but his brother had a nerve to challenge him. Right? And like I said, his brother was angry with him. I'm like, can you get angry at Goliath? That's the enemy, not your brother. Right? But, but again, we're talking about being prepared for the challenge, right? You know what irritated his brother? Was that he, he knows now that, that David was committed to God. But Eliab, his, the oldest brother, he was committed to the battle. In other words, he committed to Saul. He followed, remember the Bible talks about how he followed Saul into the battle. That means he followed, but when the challenge came, oh, that's, I can't go that far. That's too much of a distraction for me to stay focused. Catch that, right? When a challenge comes, that now all of a sudden we're like, that's too much of a distraction that I can stay focused on the battle. But David, like, oh no, that's just a distraction. I can stay focused. See, because he prepared, he was prepared for the challenge. And and again, him being a boy amongst these men that were afraid, David didn't run, he didn't flee at all. David stayed focused on. He stayed focused on the cause. That's why he said, "Is there not a cause? Is there not a reason for action?" And, and here's the thing. Here, here's the thing about a cause, right? The reason for an action. Here's the thing about a cause. There's a reality that's associated with the cause. The reality here about this thing is that it says you had to. Kill, and I like it, it says not just kill Goliath, but you have to kill him. That means you just can't hit him and run. You got to kill him until he is dead. That's what a kill of me. It's a continual action. That's why I mean, it's amazing. It said kill him. Whoever killeth him. I mean, it's like, wait a minute. How you got to kill somebody and then kill him? I mean, it wasn't like you're going to send him to the hospital and let him recover. You know, just, no, this is the end game here. So now, faced with the end game, killed or be killed, now are you prepared for the challenge? In other words, are you prepared to stay focused when, it's going to, and when it can possibly cost you your life? See, now we're talking about my commitment to God. See, that's why I mean, it separates, like I said, a man from the boy, but David was a boy and it separated him from the man because he was committed to God. Here's the thing I love about David here. David knew his life was had to be involved in this, but David was concerned about him losing. 
I mean, it's amazing me. Hey, it's not like going into a fixed fight. Right? Because here's David. When I'm committed to God, who, hey, I'm on the, hey, who is on the Lord's side? How can I ever be defeated on God's side? See, that's preparation. See, if I'm committed to God, who's going to defeat me? Now, if I'm going out there on my own accord, then yeah, you're going to get beat up. You're going to get knocked down. You could, you could potentially lose your life. But I'm doing this. I'm, it's the cause about God. And nobody even asked him to go out there. In other words, David's like, hey, what's the reward? Because I'm, I'm going to collect. Because this is, this is easy money. While y'all running from this, this is easy. And they're like, they're looking at the outward appearance. How God said before. How God said, I look upon the, the heart. Everybody else looking at the outward appearance. They're looking at how big and how strong and how, you know, how boisterous this, this Goliath was. They were like, that's the outward. That's... But I know, hey, I know who's on my side. Because I'm doing this in the name of God. He's coming against the armies of the living God. How can we be afraid of, of somebody that's coming against God? And, and then in our mind, stand up for the things of God. Right? You know, bring those things home, right? You know, how can we be afraid to be holy, be righteous, to stand up against the standards of this world compared to the standard of God? You know, that's where your boldness should be. Well, I'm afraid what they're going to do to me if I say this or if I do that. You're going to be afraid when you stand up for righteousness? You're going to compromise? Are you committed to God or are you, are you committed to keeping what you're trying to keep? You know, in other words, some people like to be on a down low. They don't, they don't, the reality of, of, of them speaking out and saying things that they don't want to go through is like, oh, nah, that's too much persecution for me. But then things we learn on, on Wednesday night, right? Rejoice when you're persecuted. For Christ's sake, right? For His name. Stand up for righteousness. You know, again, I wonder how many of us would have been David. Or how many of us would have been like his elder sons, afraid and running from Goliath? Who would have stood up against Goliath? And, I, and one thing I like about Goliath, I'm going to say what I like about Goliath. Goliath lets you know exactly what he is. Goliath, like, I'm coming against Israel. I'm, he defied the armies. He, he is, it's amazing to me. He, he put it out there, right? And here we are, scared, afraid to stand up. See, you're not prepared for the challenge. You've got to be prepared for the challenge. You've got to have your commitment to God. And in this time and season that we are in now, you better be committed to God. Because hey, there are plenty of distractions that are coming your way to take you off the cause. I mean, again, we talk about the pandemic. If the pandemic's got you all messed up where it took you off the, your commitment to God, then something's wrong. You weren't prepared. I'd say it's easy to say you love God, but then all of a sudden the pandemic hit and all of a sudden you can't even make a, a live streaming service on a continual basis. Oh, but you love the Lord. You're committed to God. We're not talking about how you have to physically come in this building and, 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 and worship and pray. Can you worship God in your home? See, that's, it's not a place, it's not a location. I can only worship God in here. Or I, I feel for you. Because what happens if you end up at a hospital? You ain't going to worship God there? What about this? What happens if you got COVID? Now what happened? Or what if, what if COVID hit your house, your home? Is that going to change your commitment to God? 
See, I'm saying that's what I mean. Hey, being prepared, pre- being prepared for the challenge will expose some things about you, your commitment to God. Because the, when the challenge, when the, the distraction comes, the distraction is right in front of you. The reality is right there. And now you got to say, oh, it's right there. It ain't like this thing you made up in your mind. It's right in front of you. That's the distraction. But my challenge is I got to stay focused. I got to see past the distraction and hit the mark. Finish my course. Because I'm committed to God. And David stood alone in this. I mean, even the king didn't even, wasn't even with David. He was by himself. King Saul, like, uh, no. And again, when you read these things, of course, that's it. You know that's who's supposed to went out there and fought Goliath, right? Well, Saul. That was King Saul's job. And here's the thing we, we've been taught, you know, we went over these things so many times before we've been taught here in this ministry. Understand that any one of them could have beat Goliath. Any one of them could have took down Goliath. So what was special about David? He met the challenge. He was committed to God. But any one of them could have beat Goliath. See, we're so focused with the distraction. I'm telling you, I keep saying it. We're so focused with the distraction and we miss the cause. Stay commitment to the, committed to the cause. Because that distraction will have you paralyzed in fear. Again, these things we talk to us about, you know, about a challenge, right? Fear is one thing that grabs you. You see that they were so afraid. Fear gripped them. But no, I'm going to stay focused. I'm prepared for the challenge. Because my commitment is to God. I, I guess it's like this. I know who I am in Christ Jesus. I know who I am in Christ. I can stay focused in the time of a challenge. I can stay focused in a pandemic. Because I know who I am in Christ. Alright, so we see here that David had a commitment to God. He called him an uncircumcised Philistine. And again, we know what circumcision circumcision means. I mean, this is so good. David's language as a child, as a boy, a teenager amazes me. You know, David never called him Goliath. If you read through this whole ordeal, David never addressed him as Goliath. He addressed him as who he was. You're an uncircumcised Philistine. Uncircumcised meaning that you have a token and, and covenant with God. You don't have one with God. You uncircumcised. That means you as a Philistine do not have a covenant with God. Now, David, who is this thing talking that don't have a covenant with God that's coming against God? Please, we're going to take you out. We're going to remove you from this, this ordeal. And, and stay focused on the cause. So he called him an uncircumcised Philistine. So you've got to ask yourself, right, who are you committed to? Are you committed to God? And in this ministry, who are you committed to? Here's the thing. Are you committed to a person? Are you committed to an organization? Are you committed to an individual? You know, are you committed to an auxiliary? No, that's just a, you know, who are you committed to or what are you committed to? Because if you're not committed to God, you will fall short. 
in your preparation for the challenge. When a challenge comes and you're not committed to God, you will fall short. That means you will not be able to complete or finish the work. Because in my commitment to God, I, I, I'm prepared for the challenge. And David was prepared. So he says, is it not a cause? Is it not a reason for us, for action? When they're coming against the living God and, this, and they being in this uncertain, I mean, they don't even have a covenant with God. Talking noise. So we see we've got to be committed to God. And being prepared for the challenge will expose that commitment you have to God. The next thing being prepared for a challenge will expose. It's going to expose your level of sacrifice. Remember, I talked about three things. It's going to expose your, your commitment to God. It's going to expose your level of sacrifice. And it's going to expose your position with God. So the next one is now we're going to see how this challenge, this distraction that is to take you off your focus, expose your level of sacrifice. What, what do I mean by sacrifice? What are you willing to sacrifice to do God's will? Get this. What are you willing to sacrifice to do God's will? What are you willing to sacrifice to obey God? And when we say sacrifice, sacrifice requires an exchange. You exchange the lesser for the greater. Now, the lesser is always what you have. But the greater is what God wants from you. I'll say that again. The lesser is always what you have. But the greater, you exchange the lesser of what you have with the greater what God wants from me. That's my sacrifice. I'm going to exchange what I have for the greater what God wants from me. That's the greatest thing. That's my level. That's my sacrifice. And you think about what's the greatest commodity that you have? Your life. What I mean by your life? You know what I say that? Your life. You know, that pronoun front of life, your life, because that's how you view it. This is my life. So are you willing to exchange the lesser for the greater, what God wants from you to do? Being prepared for the challenge, challenge will expose that level of sacrifice. So are you willing to sacrifice your life? And here's your life, your desires, your dreams, your ambitions. You know, everything you wanted, are you willing to exchange it, right, to obey God's commandments, to do God's will? And get this, are you willing to do it? Because I'm telling you, I, I say this to you again, right, God's plan is going to go on with you or without you. His plan is going on. But are you willing to exchange, to sacrifice your life for the greater plan of God? See, this one thing you have to understand about ministry, right? Ministry is bigger than all of us. Why? Because it's God's ministry. This is His program. Ministry is going to outlive each and every one of us. But while you're here, you have a part to play in ministry. What I mean by part to play in ministry, God has a work for you to do while you are here in ministry. And what is ministry? Service to the Lord. There's a service that God has and it requires for you to do. Well, I'm not sure what that is. Well, you, hey, if you, if you come and hear any of these messages and hear anything our pastor has been ministering to us, you, you understand what the vision and what the focus is. Put your hands to the work. 
but that's going to require you to sacrifice. And some of us are just not willing to, to sacrifice to that level. But in order to meet the challenge, in order to stay focused, you're going to have to sacrifice. I mean, I'll tell you this. You're gonna, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something dear to you. And I'm going to tell you what's dear to you is your life. Again, your, your ambitions, your, your desires. Again, I like it, your dreams. Does your dreams have to deal with God? You know what I mean by that? Your dreams have to deal with what God wants you to do? You know, here's the thing I always wonder. You know, I went, again, talking to our, our young adults, right? This thing I wonder. What if you as a young adult never get married? What if, what if, what if you're a female and that guy, the, the perfect guy, whatever perfect you have in your mind, never shows up? You want me to that? Never ask you out for a date. Never call you. What is it? Always a bridesmaid, but never a bride. What if, what if you, you know, if you invited all the weddings, but you never, you know, you never the bride? Can you still fulfill God's purpose? Can you focus? Stay. See, I'm, that's what I'm saying. When the reality hits in your life, when the reality hits, again, we all say that on this side. It's, oh yeah, I, I love the Lord. It's okay if I never get this, I never get that. But let the reality hit. That you don't get those things. Can you still stay focused on what God has called you to do? See, we see this with David as, as, a, as a teenager. He wasn't looking for any accolades. To be honest, he wasn't even looking for the reward. His commitment was to God. He was, he was willing to lay down everything he had to see God's plan or purpose fulfilled. He was willing to sacrifice it all. Are young adults really willing to sacrifice it all? Again, what if you never get married? Right? What if you never have children? I'm just saying, it's amazing to me how we think, right? Because in our mind, these are things that, in our mind, these are things God owes us, right? God owes me a, a husband, a spouse, that God owes me that. God owes you a spouse. And I serve the Lord. He's going to provide for me a, a man or a woman. Okay, I got you. That, that's what you're holding on to. That's all God is for you. And then when you get one, all of a sudden you put that person over God. Please. That's just, you're just talking. That's you. Oh, God owes me this. God owes me that. But let God ask you for something. What God require from you today? Can you sacrifice what you want in order to fulfill God's purpose? Can you lay it all down for Him? And, and like I said, you know, 2020 is behind us, but the reality of what happened in 2020 still lives on. The impact is still there. It's behind us, but it's still there. Understand that some things will never be the same. Right? But can you go on with God's plan and His purpose? And, and you see a lot of people, they are still stuck in the past. They can't move forward. Because whatever happened in the past, that was their, that was their thing. That was, like I said, that was their God. That's where their commitment was. And once that thing ended, they could not move forward.
You know, that's what I love about God. You know, God's not bound to time. He, he's not. We are. He's not bound to time. You know, here's the thing. I, you know, I, I, I think about these things sometimes, right, when it comes to God. For God, everything is right now. You know what I mean? It's, God is always in the presence. You know, a hundred years from now, it'll be, God is, He already knows what's going to happen. God already knows what's going to happen a hundred years, a thousand years from now. God already knows. So God is always in the present. So He's, want us to stay focused on God. Like, just stay with me. Focus on me. I, you stay in my plan and my purpose with Him. And then you'll be able to finish what I called you to do. Because again, I'm telling you, you're going to realize at the end of all your days, you got to stand before the living God and give an account for every deed you've done in this flesh. Now that should be the reality for you now. If you realize you have to answer to the living God one day, then maybe that'll help you with the choices that you make now. Because I hear choices people make now. I'm like that. That choice you just made is going to pull you away from God. And it's subtle things. And we can justify these things because it's our dreams, our hopes, our desires. And then you make choices that pull you away from God. And then now here it comes when God requires you to do something. Here comes your excuses because of the choice you made. Now you can't do it. And you hold on to that. Well, I had to do this. So that's why I can't do that. I'm like, but you had to do that. But, but, what, but here's the thing. What if God just told you to wait? I mean, I, you know, is wait a four-letter word? I've got to count up the letters. Because I, I, nobody likes to wait for anything. You just said God is always in the present. Yeah, but, but he tells you to wait in the present. You've got to wait. And while you're waiting, you've got to prepare. So that means, guess what? You've got to hear from God. You know, I love how God sets these things up, right, when it comes to him, right? You have to reach out. God has all the answers for you. But how are you going to get them is you've got to come talk to him. He has the, God has the answers. Now, where the answers you may or may not like them, that's, that's between you and him. But he has the answers. But you've got to come talk to him. And some of us, we already know the answer is. That's why we ain't asked him about it. Because we don't want to do it. Again. Your level of sacrifice. What am I willing to sacrifice to do God's will? What am I willing to sacrifice to do God's will? If you never get that, like I said, a house, or you never get that vehicle you want, or you never get, like I said, a job you want, you never get that salary that you want, all those things that you have all these plans for. And it's, it's okay. It's good to have goals and plans. You know, that's, that's this world. I understand. But what about God and what he wants from you? See, that shows if you're prepared for the challenge. Because the distractions of this world will come. And then it's going to pull you off of the, the plan that God has for you to do. Stay focused. Stay focused. We're going to end there.
This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.